Good morning, Texas. Welcome to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. I'm Wyatt Wright, and this show is about your rights and the laws that govern us. Rights you've heard of and care about and would certainly miss if they were gone. I've spent half a lifetime watching government go from trying to do what's right and failing to trying to do what's wrong and succeeding. Every year, more and more personal rights are erased from the books while Americans stand idly by. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not because we don't care. Of course we care, but our lives are busy enough trying to feed our families and raise our kids. And while we're busying ourselves with life, the metaphorical water temperature is rising all around us. Kind of like that frog that gets boiled without ever knowing it. Well, Here we are, and on this show, we discuss legal issues that affect you and me, the people of Texas. We take a hard look at the laws that affect your freedom, your ability to access the courts, to vote, to speak freely, or in short, to live the American dream. Stick around. Today we'll be visiting with Longview trial attorney Alan Robertson to find out what is going on in the state of Texas this week. Let's dive right in and get wet. We just got pounded, ladies and gentlemen. We got pounded by another rogue wave out of the Texas Supreme Court. That court in Austin is still hard at work making lives miserable for individual Texans and gleefully merry for their big business sponsors. In 2003, in Texas, we have to think back now. But it was then that there was a message coming from the governor's mansion, and it was that there was a huge problem in Texas. Health care was in crisis, and hospitals were getting ready to close. Doctors were leaving the states, and it was all blamed on lawsuits and by injured people who, by golly, shouldn't have stood up for their damages. And the message was that malpractice insurance premiums were rising. Doctors couldn't afford them, again, because of the lawsuits. No mention about the profits that the insurance company wanted to make. The result was a fictitious crisis that had many doctors expecting at any moment to get sued. But, ladies and gentlemen, the truth is that only a mere 5.9%, 5.9% of all physicians are responsible for the vast majority of all the malpractice payments. It's only 5.9%. The vast majority of physicians are wonderful at what they do and have nothing to fear by their malpractice. We know now that that crisis was made up. The University of Texas Law and Economics research paper told us that. They told us that Texas wasn't losing its physicians even before these reforms took effect. All sorts of independent studies have proven that to be the case. And in fact, in fact, from 1990 until 2002, all claims for medical malpractice decreased significantly. And that's the period of time directly before those tort reform measures went into place. They decreased. And one expert report even found that only one out of 25 victims of malpractice actually goes so far as to bring a claim. So stop to think about who paid for the malpractice damages. It wasn't the doctors. It was the insurance companies. The reason I'm pointing this out is because you don't have to look very far to see who has a vested interest in capping medical malpractice claims. And I'll get where I'm going in a moment. Let me remind everybody, if you just tuned in, that this is Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. On this show, we point out and discuss the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. 
But nevertheless, this tort reform took effect and was passed in the legislature. The result, ladies and gentlemen, is that doctors and hospitals received a damage cap on non-economic damages of $250,000, a cap, a hard cap of $250,000, no matter how egregious or despicable the behavior. But this reform in the law was only designed to apply to medical claims, medical claims, right? That's what hospitals do. That's what doctors do. So, for example, a doctor would receive the benefit of a damages cap if he botched a surgery while drunk. But he wouldn't receive the cap if he killed someone while drunk driving. You see the difference? Medical claims get the cap. In fact, a medical claim brought under the new law requires that the claimant has to get an onerous expert report. Now, that's a report from another doctor who basically points the finger at the bad doctor and says, yeah, he didn't do it right. He breached the standard of conduct. Now, you might imagine that this is incredibly hard to do in many cases because doctors protect other doctors. But as if this weren't bad enough, in order to discourage even legitimate claims, and that's what we're concerned with, the legitimate claims... The law requires a claimant to pay the insurance company's attorney's fees if the lawsuit has to be dismissed because of no report. So if the report is not issued and the claim must be dismissed, then the person who brought the claim, the legitimate claim, even the horribly legitimate and egregious claim, based on egregious conduct, that is, if dismissed because of no report, that victim gets victimized again and has to pay the doctor's insurance attorney's fees. But there can be no doubt that the 2003 law, which put this $250,000 cap in place, was designed only to cover that medical negligence. You would also agree with me that if a hospital had, let's say, may make something up, defective electrical wiring in the building, and that killed somebody, you'd agree with me that that is not a medical claim. It's a premises liability claim. It's a dangerous building claim. Well, your common sense and mine would be wrong says the Supreme Court. Of course, it is possible that many of the current justices on that court lack common sense or they have common sense and the result was issued for a different reason. It was on June 29th of 2012, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting into the heart of the matter we're talking about. On June 29th, 2012, the Texas Supreme Court handed down an opinion so bizarre, so activist in nature that I bet they even had trouble explaining it around their own dinner table. That's the type of thing that you ought to be embarrassed about. Now, to understand their ruling... And we're going to bring Mr. Robertson on in a minute to tell us about it. To understand their ruling, we need to understand the Texas workers' compensation law, at least to a small degree. Because in Texas, the law allows an employer, such as a hospital, to purchase workers' compensation insurance for its injured workers. Or it can choose not to purchase the insurance. But the legislature's plan was to strongly encourage employers to buy the coverage. 
So they wrote the law in such a way that employers without workers' comp coverage lose all of their common law defenses for their negligence, which resulted in a worker being injured. But if an employer has workers' comp insurance, then they are completely, well, almost completely, they're virtually immune from any lawsuits by injured employees. That's the bargain. That's the leverage used to get people to purchase, employers to purchase comp coverage for their employees. Why are we talking about this? Workers' comp law and medical liability caps have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Well, that is, except in, if you're one of the six justices on the Texas Supreme Court who decided to focus on finding ways to give big passes to the corporations uh, that are huge and the insurance companies that support them. Because here we are, enter the case, June 29, 2012, Texas West, West Oaks Hospital versus Williams. In this case... Williams was injured on the job by a patient at the hospital. Williams is a nurse. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. We're discussing the ever-increasing disappearance of our American rights. Williams was a nurse at the hospital, and his employer, the hospital, did not have workers' compensation insurance. This means Williams, when injured on the job, was forced to bring a suit to recover his damages, And after all, an employer has a duty to take care of its employees, right? And to make the workplace safe, right? I mean, if someone came onto my premises that worked for me and fell into a big hole that I had dug in the ground and failed to cover up, I would be responsible, right? Williams proceeded with his case as any other injured employee would. He alleged a danger in the workplace and and invoked the protections of the Texas Workers' Compensation Act. Because if an employer doesn't have it, then there's no defenses. But the hospital wasn't content to simply rely on what you and I might call common sense. They wanted to see if they could pull a fast one. You see, the hospital knew that the current Texas Supreme Court is incredibly activist. They knew that they bend over backwards to bail out big business and insurance companies that insure them, so the hospital took a chance. Because after all, it was the hospital, big conglomerate versus one small person, Williams. And they knew how the Texas Supreme Court rules in those cases. It made the completely ridiculous argument, this is the hospital, that the medical liability laws, complete with the caps on damages and the requirement of an expert report, should apply to a worker suing the hospitals for injuries received on the job. Absurd. Ladies and gentlemen, the hospital's website, Texas West Oak Hospital website, says that they have been, quote, faithfully serving Houston and the surrounding communities for over 25 years, end quote. They need to rewrite that line to add the phrase, unless you are one of our employees, and then we will spend any amount of money necessary to break your spirit and any chance of recovery, even if we harm you. So it appears now that if a person is involved in any mishap at the hospital, even if not a patient, then it's a health care claim with liability caps and expert report requirements. And please tell me exactly how is a person 
who's injured by a falling brick, supposed to find a doctor who will write a report explaining how that is medically negligence. And now, in the case of Williams, let's get back to, to Nurse Williams, because this is tragic, who sued for injuries on the job, now must pay the hospital for its attorney's fees. What? What? Are you kidding me? A hardworking nurse injured on the job, gets no workers' comp, has no coverage, and now has to pay the hospital its attorney's fees just for trying to get damages covered? Yeah. Yeah, Texas Supreme Court. This case will have a hugely negative impact on hospital in- employees who are injured. It's just, it's, 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 it's not the way we need to be acting in Texas, and it's not the Texas I know. This Supreme Court is so bent on hurting Texans and saving big businesses money that they've all but lost their humanity, and they continue to make a habit of overturning jury verdicts. Remember, in one year, 87% of big business defendants won over individuals. Can we believe they're impartial? I don't know. A reminder, you're listening to Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. We're talking about the disappearance of our American rights. Helping us get through this topic today is joining us Alan Robertson. He's a trial lawyer based in Longview, Texas, where he is focused on civil litigation. Mr. Robertson is a graduate of Baylor Law School, as well as Wyoming's renowned trial lawyer college. Mr. Robertson is a distinguished speaker on legal topics and is a current author of two op-ed pieces dealing with the topic we are discussing today. Mr. Robertson, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Wyatt Wright Show. Thank you for having me, Wyatt. Well, you know, the, the thing is, and, and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about ways to, to aptly describe what I'm reading uh, as being the result in this case, but it seems that the Supreme Court is going to extremes in other cases that we've discussed on this show to say that the Workers' Comp Act is supreme and it trumps all these other laws. Uh, but now we see the argument being used against a hospital. And so the Supreme Court comes in with new action and declares the Medical Liability Act supreme. To me, this seems like a bunch of legal flip-flopping just to get the result they want. Tell me, is this what's happening, or, or am I missing something here? Well, you're not really missing anything at all. In fact, you're, you're uh, very perceptive. Uh, this, is a, this is a Supreme Court that is focused on the results that it wants, as you put it earlier, um, uh, paying back their big business sponsors. Sure. Um, and so they will go to any length, bend any statute, be as intellectually dishonest as necessary to reach those results. And uh, the West Oaks Hospital case is really the latest in a line of cases uh, that stretches the Texas uh, Medical Liability Act, the well, tort reform statute that you mentioned earlier. Well, what what are those? I mean, what's happening in this world, and, and how's this how's this being stretched beyond what it was originally designed for? Well, let me first start with the the, the text of the act is, itself. The Good. opinion actually seizes on a change uh, to the statute. Um, this is not the first time that the legislature has attempted to uh, limit the rights of Texans. It did so first in 1990, excuse me, 1977, uh-huh. when it enacted the uh, uh, Texas Medical Liability Insurance Improvement Act, okay. which is a little more uh, truthfully named. Sure. Um, and in, the, in that act, it um, 
it defined a health care liability claim as a cause of action against a health care provider or a physician that arises uh, from uh, medical care or health care that proximately results in injury to or death of a patient. Okay, okay, I'm following you. In 2003, they changed the language to say um, that the injuries, uh, that the, the health care uh, proximate results in injury to or death of a claimant. Okay, so they took out the word pe- patient, and now it can apply to and must apply to everybody. Is that what you're saying? Well, and, and really, I mean, the, the reason they did that is not too far to see. In fact, the, uh, the, dis- the dissent in this case, written by Justice Lehrman, um, notes that really what the, what the legislature was trying to do was expand the medical malpractice tort reform to not only apply to patients who bring lawsuits mm-hmm. against their doctor or hospital, but also in the event that um, a spouse is having to take care of an injured spouse for the rest of his or her life. I see. That person has always been able to bring a long lawsuit, and because it arises out of the same negligent act, we want it to apply to those people as well. Okay, I get you. Or if a patient is killed as a result of a doctor's negligence or a hospital's negligence, we want it to apply to the family members who bring a lawsuit now that their loved one is no longer here. All right. Um, well, that seems fairly limiting that, in, in the idea. It is fairly limiting. And that's, that's really what the legislature was trying to do. However... Um, our Texas Supreme Court has dismissed that out of hand and said, because we've defined it as injury to or death of a claimant, it can apply to anybody. Okay. And in fact, the definition of claimant has uh, includes a decedent's estate, which isn't really uh, a person at all. It's a legal fiction, and it's one that uh, neither lives nor dies. It exists only in the... Uh, really exist only in the courthouse. Sure. You don't see estates uh, walking around. No, they're not and, down the street. No, right. no, you got it. And so um, they've, they've really seized on this change and, and stretched it far beyond what the legislature intended. So is that where we're going here with Texas West Oaks Hospital? Is this opinion saying, look, we're going to say that the nurse is a claimant and therefore this act applies, and by the way, it trumps the, the Workers' Compensation Act. Is that what we're seeing? That's exactly right. Okay. So stretched beyond its means, now we're being asked to, to I guess, embrace this uh, smilingly. I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't really understand if the Texas Supreme Court believes that we're all going to sit back and look at these types of opinions and say, gee whiz, I, I guess that's just the way it goes. You know what? They got it right. This one seems to offend on so many levels, and maybe that's what makes it interesting. Well, it, it, it does. And really, I think the, uh, the the Supreme Court is banking on the fact that that most people uh, will not educate themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in my experience, and and this is because, as as you put it, we're busy with our own lives, with our own. Um, uh, sure, we are trying to raise our families, trying to uh, earn a living. That 
the Supreme Court is really one of the last things on our mind. Right. And we've got, uh, but this is, this is a post that in Texas is elected. And so when it comes time for those elections, uh, you know, we hope that people start looking around and thinking about who the candidates are and who really fosters the beliefs that, that they hold dear. But I, I wonder if people are doing that when, in, as you say, they're, they're busy just trying to get through this economy and this life. That's, that's correct. There's also strict, um, uh, limits placed on how judges can can campaign in this state, uh-huh. and so as a result, the elections for Texas Supreme Court justice uh, never receive the amount of publicity or the amount of advertising that, for example, uh, the Senate race between uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dewhurst and Mr. Cruz just did. Correct, and that was a big one. But we're not going to see that at the Supreme Court level. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So, so tell us now. What I mean, in, in reality, what is this going to mean? What is this ruling in West Oaks Hospital? What does it immediately mean to all of the other hospital employees out there in Texas who themselves are thinking, "Wait a minute, my my employer's not. Uh, they don't subscribe to the workers' comp system." What does this mean to them? Well, practically, it means that that you really don't have a uh, a way to seek redress for your injuries. Um, if you were ever hurt on the job, um, you'd better hope that you have a uh, uh, an employer who will uh, pay for your injuries and your lost wages and and all of the 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 damages that have that you've suffered mm-hmm. uh, out of the goodness of his or own heart, uh, because you don't have the leverage that the court system provides to you as a result of this case. Yeah, and you know one of the things we've discussed on this show before too is how how uh, corporations are particularly devoid of 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 anything that resembles a heart uh because they're they're the ones out there feeding the bottom line to their shareholders and hospitals are no different. So I'm I'm going to be a little leery that that's going to happen and they that hospitals are going to step up and do the right thing. That's a charitable way of putting it. Yeah, it's a charitable. But, you know, and, and this is what we're facing. And, and what we're looking at in this opinion, too, is this insane result that and, and, and here's what I let me boil it down. When lawyers advance new and novel theories, like in this case, these lawyers that advance this theory on behalf of the hospital, that's new and novel. There, there's I, I doubt very seriously that there were any more than a handful of lawyers statewide who ever would have given that approach any credence. And so. So the Supreme Court, when they heard it uh, for the first time, uh, you would think they, even if they wanted to go this way with the law, that they might just end it instead of sending this poor nurse back to the trial court to have to pay the attorney's fees of the doggone hospital. To me, that sounds like a big kick in the groin. Well, it adds insult to injury. And, um, you know, you, you, you raise a good point because... Uh, when I started looking at this case, uh, because it, it affected a, a, a case that I had. Okay. Um, I actually was made aware of this case by a defense lawyer who uh, wanted my lawsuit dismissed. And so um, when I started looking at this case, I thought, well, who had passed off uh, on this before it got to the Texas Supreme Court? Mm-hmm. How did we get here? Um, they first raised this issue, this argument, at the trial court. And they raised it before any discovery was done, any depositions were taken, before we really were able to discover what the lawsuit was about. I see. 
Um, the hospital files this motion to dismiss. All right. The trial judge has is a 15-year lawyer who's been on the bench for, for some time, who's a graduate of the University of Houston. The hospital didn't like, and the, and the, the trial judge uh, denied the motion to dismiss. Okay. So the hospital didn't like that result, didn't want to play by the trial judge's rules, and takes it to the appellate court down in Houston where three judges heard oral argument and issued an opinion. Okay. And all three judges affirmed the trial court. So they all said, we think it's just as ridiculous as the trial court did. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That this, this, apply, this, is, this statute is designed to apply to uh, the receipt of patient care. This person was not a patient. He's not in any way associated with a patient. His claims are not, we call in the law, derivative of, meaning they uh, succeed or, or fail based on what happened to a patient. And so the statute shouldn't apply to him. Yeah. And these are not just hacks. These are these are people who are among some of the most well qualified of our uh, of our jurists. Gee, many Christmas. This um, is... The 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 lady who wrote the opinion, Leslie Yates. Yes. Um, before taking the bench, was a defense lawyer for Union Pacific Railroad and an assistant district attorney with the Harris County District Attorney's Office, who tried over a hundred jury trials. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see this. This is this is insane. You've got people who are well qualified making these decisions, and they aren't getting anywhere. Uh, Alan, I tell you what, uh, we got fifteen seconds left. Okay. Tell me something here. Tell me what people need to do. Well, um, I'll be real honest with you. I don't think that this is going to be something that's going to be changed uh, judicially. I don't think that the Supreme Court will come back and say, "Well, we got this wrong, and we're going to change it." The solution is to uh, write your state representative, uh-huh. write your state senator, and let them know that this, uh, because what the, what the court did was interpret something that the legislature wrote. And so because the legislature wrote it, the legislature can clarify it, and right. that's what they need to do in the next legislative session, which starts this January. This starts this January. Alan Robertson, thank you for joining us on the Wyatt Wright Show today. It's my pleasure. Alan Robertson is a trial lawyer based in Longview, Texas, where he focuses on civil trial law. We're going to have to wrap up this edition of the Wyatt Wright Show. But as you go through your week, remember, it was Justice Learned Hand who so famously said, if we're to keep our democracy, there must be one commandment, thou shalt not ration justice. Have a good day, everybody. Join us on WyattWrightShow.com, Facebook, or Twitter, or go get our podcast at the iTunes Store. Talk to you next week right here on Justice for All, the Wyatt Wright Show. Bye.